another action-packed edition of Lennox in the Ham Shack. Uh, my name is Richard, KB5JBV, and uh, I am one of the people involved in this lavish production. The other one is my co-host over there, uh, Russ. Say hello, Russ. Hello, this is Russ, and I'm K5TUX, and the other slightly insane co-host of this extravaganza we call Linux in the Ham Shack. Well, I don't call myself insane. I call myself nuts. I said uh, slightly nuts. insane. Oh, oh, slightly. Slightly. Well, I'm not sure I can even confess to that. <laughs> All right, y'all, uh, we're going to move on to uh, talking about a couple PSK programs here tonight. We'd like to welcome the live audience. Welcome. Those of y'all who uh, want to catch us live, Russ will give y'all some information on that in a little bit, a uh, little bit later in the program. So uh, let's start with some email. Uh, first one comes from KC8BEW. That would be Matt. Matt says, "Howdy! I found your podcast at Black Sparrow Media just a little while ago. I now have more to listen to at work." Don't tell the boss. Well, we were just talking a while ago. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, it's good to, good to hear some more ham radio podcasts out there, especially with a Linux slant. Is there plans to offer the other shows on Black Sparrow Media in AUG format? I'll answer that in a question in a minute. Uh, if not, would you think about it? I have just set up a dual, dual boot on my laptop with XP and OpenSUSE 11. And dual boot SUS 9.1. Ubuntu Horror Hedgehog on the desktop. You really need to upgrade. I am uh, still at the bottom of the learning curve, though. I think the command line is worse than learning Morse code. The uh, free part was the final draw. Two boys under seven and one hour commute takes up the cash. Since I cannot send any monetary help, I would like to add links to my website to help spread the news. Do you have buttons made up for this? Keep up the good work. And that's 73 Matt, KC8BEW, Muskingum County, Aries, EC. The first question is, other programs in AUG format? Well, there is an experimental feed for resonant frequency. I haven't fooled with it in a long time. I'm not real sure it's to, it's whether it's working or not. You can give it a shot, and I'll get you the uh, get you the URL here in just a minute. I upload the AUG files over there every time we do a resonant frequency, and uh, they are there. I have been able to pull them down. I just, uh, like I said, it, it's an experimental feed for the most part, and it needs more work. Uh, the URL for that is going to be blacksparrowmedia.com stroke resonant frequency dash AUG, O-G-G. And uh, like I said, they get posted over there. If you have any luck downloading from over there, please send me an email and let me know. Uh, a couple of other things. Uh, Hoary Hedgehog. Need to go ahead and upgrade, man. They've made a lot of progress since then. And uh, I understand the uh, free end of it. That's one, one of the factors that led me to Linux. Uh, you got anything on that, Russ? No, I've just been enjoying listening to you talk, so I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> you do that to me but anyway matt yeah and uh let us know send me an email let me know if you're able to pull those aug files down if they're coming down okay if not i'll go back in and work on it some more our next email is from lloyd ko4l in florence south carolina uh you guys hit 
hit on on a much needed podcast. I'm listening and not being very patient on how to get a PC on Linux. I've been mulling, mulling this over for a while now, and over the Christmas holiday, I will be in the shack installing Linux. I've tried over the past month Ubuntu, Kubuntu, PC Linux OS, Harv's Ham Shack Hack, and they all work on my older machines. I will probably settle on Ubuntu to follow along with your upcoming how-to on installation. And that signs Lloyd, KO4L in Florence, South Carolina. Well, Lloyd, it's good to hear from you, man. And, yep, over Christmas, we're going to be, uh, well, right after the first year now, we're going to do the install uh, program. But you know what? It really doesn't matter which distribution you go with. They all have some minor differences. As far as installation is concerned, they're all pretty much the same, especially if you're doing it off a live CD because I installed uh, SUSE 11 on a partition on one of my machines over here not too long ago, and their their live installer is not a whole heck of a lot different than uh, the old installer was for them, and that's not a whole heck of a lot different than the Ubuntu installer, even though uh, Ubuntu and Kubuntu, for me, anyway, is easier. Anyway, thanks, Lloyd. And uh, the next one comes from Kent, V4KEH. It seems that Kent is traveling in the uh, Arctic the week that he uh, uh, sent us this. Having Internet access in my hotel, thought I'd drop, drop by Linux in the ham shack and see what's new. I was thrilled to see that Episode 5 was available and even more thrilled to hear my future episode suggestion read aloud. SSH and remote computer access. Well, Kent, we, we're going to work towards that. Imagine my embarrassment when I was not able to access my home computer from here. I suspect that the hotel set their NAT router to block high number ports. Anyway, I have come across a design for a sound card interface by W3IWI that is specified for the FT817 but should be modifiable for anything. Two novel things about this design are the use of the 74HC123 as a tone detect circuit and the use of metal shell for the DIN plug to supply battery power to the circuit only when it is plugged into the transceiver. Y'all go read this comment. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, Kent, uh, thank you for uh, getting with us. You want to send me a URL on that? I'd like to go uh, go take a look at that. Maybe I'll be able to talk about it a little bit more on a future show. And Roberto, Roberto sent us an, uh, a message last time around, and he wanted to touch base with us. Uh, Roberto says, "Thanks a lot for the tips, and look forward to your DSP ideas." Found a package called Free DSP, but I don't do not know how to compile. Looks complicated. And that's from Roberto. Let's talk about that a second. Russ, do you have any idea right off the top of your head where a place where there's a, a semi-good tutorial on compiling a program? Uh, there's actually quite a few of them out there. I, I don't have one off the top of my head, but I can certainly find one that I think is good and put it in the show notes. I took a look at the free DSP package, or it's actually free ADSP is the application that he mentioned. I downloaded it and compiled 
from the source code that they provided. I'll post that on the website so he can download it and compile it. It's actually only three or four steps, very simple to do. The only thing that I found was that I couldn't figure out what to do with the ADSP once I compiled it. So if he knows, you know, what to do with it once it's uh once he has it, uh then it'll probably be pretty simple for him to do. I know this is sort of directed at one listener, but uh it might give somebody else's uh general overview of how to compile something, at least something very simple like free ADSP, which is only one or two files, I think, and nothing very serious. And I will find a link to something more concrete about compiling things in general to put on the website as well. All righty. Yeah, and uh, we do need to get uh, at some point to doing a, a segment on compiling software. But once again, y'all, uh, we're trying to start from the beginning and find the easy stuff so you guys can get started, and then we'll move into more advanced stuff. Okay, and the next one we got is from NE2Z, a very meaty episode, which found me having to replay it a few times and chew on it on each item. Given how much you have uh, given us to chew, <laughs> I think he just said that we're overdoing it. I think everyone would understand if we did not hear from you until late January. I agree on the recommendation in getting your feet wet first with GMFSK before going to FL Digi. It was interesting to hear your observation on Linux having better ears in digital modes versus Windows. Perhaps Linux developers are more passionate about the hardware driver functionality versus Windows developers focused on just getting the hardware compatible enough to meet Windows certifications. Take care and happy holidays. Joe, NE2Z. Anyone who's used any Windows drivers recently will will probably second that emotion because I'm not even sure that developers do enough to make the drivers actually work and, you know, these days, um, from what I've seen of crappy drivers, especially when it comes to video and audio interfaces. You know, there's guys that are writing for, for Windows. Uh, they're getting paid right for Windows. It's a job for them. Most of these guys that are uh, writing for the Linux side, they're doing it because they want to. And uh, that makes a lot of difference. And uh, I've seen where it has made a difference in quite a few cases. Okay, Russ has got one over there. Yeah, I have a message that came uh, via the forums on BlackSparrowMedia.com. This one is from Tim, KI6BGE, who's kind of a regular on the podcast, or at least commenting on the podcast. He's uh, from Torrance, California, if QRZ is to be believed, and he says, What a great surprise to find Episode 5 on my iPod, and a real good one, too, as far as, and I read that the way he wrote it, as far as loading a distro, go for it. You've done it a bunch of times. Or sorry, I've done it a bunch of times, but I know there may be a detail or setting I may miss. The parody song really caught me off guard while I was listening to the episode at work. Everyone was startled when I started laughing and couldn't stop. I love a good Bust, sense of humor. Busted, busted. Yeah. <laughs> busted at work. <laughs> yeah, I actually forwarded this message to... Uh, Paul and Storm, who are the ones who wrote the song in question, uh, they got a good kick out of it. I guess I should mention Paul and Storm. They can be found at paulandstorm.com. I did actually put together some show notes for episode five today, and I posted them earlier. And there's links to pretty much everything we mentioned in episode five on there. 
and all of the music from episode five is also listed. But I'm certainly glad that you enjoyed that. I can't see putting a lot of parody songs in the podcast. Uh, they don't really fit, but that one just sort of struck me as uh, good for last episode. I always want to promote Paul and Storm whenever I can. And I just wanted to say thanks for the message, uh, Tim, and uh, thanks for listening. Keep that feedback coming, and we'll keep the music, and we'll keep the information flowing. And Tim's been uh, been an avid listener of re- Resonant Frequency. In fact, did a uh, a buzzword segment in the last episode. So uh, it's good to hear from you over here, Tim. And uh, he's also got a bunch of things running under VirtualBox over at his place. And uh, we will talk about VirtualBox at some point. But right now, we just want to keep you all with one distribution and uh, try not to get too confused about stuff. All right. Uh, before we go, we want to say hello to the Parma Amateur Radio Club in Parma, Ohio. Thank you guys out there if y'all are listening. Uh, we noticed that y'all have uh, posted a uh, little information about the uh, Linux in the Ham Shack podcast. If there's anything we can do for y'all, let us know. As far as parody music, if we want more Linux music, we might even go talk to Chad Wallenberg over at Linux Basement. But since we're talking about podcasts, let me go ahead and uh, let y'all know those of you who have been listeners to Fresh Ubuntu and those of you who don't listen to Fresh Ubuntu, y'all go ahead and, uh, and saddle up over there. My friend, uh, Peter Nicolaitis and uh, his co-host Harlem over there, they've got their show back up and going. And, uh, looks like they've got a new head of steam and, uh, they don't get too complex over there. So with, uh, other podcasts fading like, uh, Linux Reality and, uh, Linux, some Linux podcasters losing their minds like the guys over at uh, the Linux Action Show. We need to support the ones that are giving us the information we need to have. You got anything else before we go to break, Russ? Well, let's see. I think I had one more email somebody sent to me about uh, Ubuntu specifically. Uh, this is from Robert, VE3FRJ. I just recently discovered Linux in the ham shack and am thoroughly enjoying. I've dabbled with Linux for several years, but gave up a while ago when I had huge trouble with Ubuntu not being able to recognize NVIDIA. Downloaded Ubuntu 8.1.0, burned a disk, and tried it live on my laptop. Notice that when I am scrolling, the images move down in waves, not smoothly. Does this suggest a problem if I decide to install... Can't wait for the next podcast. You have opened my eyes to more ham radio software than I thought was out there. 7-3 from Rob, VE3FRJ. Well, thank you very much, Rob. And I did uh, answer your question via email about NVIDIA support in Ubuntu, and then he sent me back a message saying that he'd tried use a later version of Ubuntu with the NVIDIA drivers that I suggested, and he said it all worked great, so that's fantastic. So thank you for listening, and thanks for uh, downloading us, and uh, definitely keep listening. And I guess you can probably skip over the Ubuntu install fest because you've already done that at least twice. But stay tuned after that. We're going to – I'm not sure where we're going after PSK31, but uh, it's going to be good. Of course it's going to be good because it's us.
And that's that's the thing. When you're running a live CD, and I've had that problem here, uh, when you're running a live CD, it's having to read from that CD every time it does something. So even when you're scrolling down the screen, it may stop to read off that CD and make it kind of jerky. I'm currently running an NVIDIA GeForce uh, 32 meg card in uh, my Kubuntu machine. And I'll tell you right now, I loaded the NVIDIA drivers, which are available now, and have Compass up and Compass Fusion up and running, and I'm just loving it, loving it. So, uh, speaking yeah. of Compass, uh, I made a comment, uh, in at least two previous episodes about the fact that Compass doesn't work on multi-monitor, uh, installs. Well, I found out today that it actually does. I have a three-monitor install at work. I installed Compass and it actually, it didn't work, uh, perfectly and it did lock up on me once and I never could get the cube to work, but some of the things like the windows open and close, um, uh, sequences and the transparencies and the fading menus and the zoom functions all worked on all three monitors. I was a little wrong, but it's, uh, support is apparently still not great. Well, there you go. And, uh, I haven't even delved into it far enough to know if the cube works or not at this point on mine, but I do know that I got my, got my wobbly windows and I got my, my flipping desktop and everybody goes ooh and ah when they see it. All right. Uh, I think I've got everything, done everything I've got, Russ. Uh, you got anything else before we go? Uh, I don't have anything as far as feedback over here. I think we're ready to hit a break and come back and dive right into some PSK 31. Well, y'all kick back and listen to some music for a few minutes, and we'll be right back.
Okay, and we're back. Uh, all righty. This time we're going to talk about a couple of uh, couple of digital programs. Uh, most specifically, we're talking about PSK thirty one in these in these two episodes. This one and the last one. We're going to take, have one that's simple, fairly simple, and one that's a little more complex. But we're going to go back to these programs over time because we're going to get into these other digital modes also. So the first one we need to talk about is uh, uh, GMFSK. Uh, have you had a chance to, to run GMFSK, Russ? Just enough to run it, take a look at some of the functions, and I haven't haven't hooked it up to a rig, and I don't have a rig control interface, but I have looked at some of the settings and some of the things it can do and some of the modes it uh, can access. But uh, we'll let you go ahead and hash out a little bit of it here, and maybe I can jump in later on. All righty. Well, you know, first of all, one of the reasons we've gone to talk about uh, GMFSK is it's one of the ones that's available in the Ubuntu repositories. It's available in the Ubuntu, Debian, anything that's Debian-based, it's available in the repositories. I haven't had an opportunity to get the SUSE repositories up where I can take a look at them just yet, but I'm pretty sure that it's available. Uh, it would be available there, too. This is going to be one of the basic terminal programs that's uh if it's available for your distribution, you're probably going to be able to find it. It's basically a GNOME application, and it runs a lot like some of the ones you probably used in Windows, WinPSK, DigiPan, that kind of stuff, a simple uh, input interface. When you open the thing up, the first time it's going to ask you for some information. It's going to ask you for your name, your call sign, uh, your grid square, that kind of stuff. Once you have that information in, then all you really have to worry about is getting your uh, sound card and sound card interface configured, your computer ready to go. So once you get it open, you'll have a have a screen that looks an awful lot like the older versions of DigiPan. It doesn't have that uh, multiple conversation uh, scrolling screen over on the side. You've got a menu bar at the top, some buttons up at the top, logging information, uh, input, output screens, a line of uh, macro buttons. And I think there's only 12 in uh, GMFSK. And then you have your waterfall down at the bottom with your scope on the side and your uh, squelch and uh, reverse and AFC over on the side. Now, for those of y'all who are new to PSK or new to digital modes, that that probably sounded like gobbledygook. So let's go up to the, the menu bar. When you go click on file, you're going to see send file, log to file, Clear the RX window, that kind of stuff. Uh, you can accomplish the clearing of the windows by right-clicking on the windows. So the file menu, unless you're going to send a file, which is normally done through your macro buttons unless you have something special to send, and it would need to be a text file, by the way. The next one's going to be the uh, the mode switch button in the, uh, in the menu bar. Now, this is going to put the program in the particular mode that you want to want to operate in. When I say that, uh, GMFSK will do MFSK 16, MFSK 8, Olivia, Ritty, Throb 1, 2, and 4, PSK 31, BP, BPSK mode, PSK 31 in QPSK mode, PSK 63, MT 63, Feldhell, Hellschreiber, and CW. All we're going to worry about right now is PSK 31, BPSK. Because that's what the majority of folks run. If you get on 14.070, that's what they're going to be running down there. When you go over to the settings switch, uh, you'll see there's a sidebar 
and it says general appearance, modems, waterfowl, devices, and ham lab. And in the general, under the general tab, you're going to find the information that you put in when uh, the program first fired up uh, under station info. Then there'll be a place for time and date formats, something you probably don't need to worry about just now. Place for you to put in the bands, different bands you want in there, so that when you go to click them on your on your uh, login information up at the top, you just be able to click the drop down and click whatever band you're on. Files and directories. That's pretty much preset by the program. So if you don't want them in a special place, you can go ahead and leave that alone. Well, here's something I can jump in on though. <laughs> and what's that? Under files and directories, the defaults, at least in my case and probably in your case, start with a tilde. For someone who may not know what that means, that references your home directory, usually slash home slash your username. When you see a tilde at the beginning like that, that means you substitute your home directory plus the stuff at the end. That's the whole deal, y'all. Uh, if you're coming over from Windows, and I keep forgetting to include that kind of stuff, if you're coming over from something like Windows, I'm sure there's a similar command in Windows, but you have, have to understand that most of the stuff defaults to your particular home directory, the home directory for the user you are. That means that everything's going to be pointed that direction. So then we move to the Appearance tab, and pretty much that it means what it says, y'all. There's a place to... Uh, Change the colors, some of the colors if you want to. Well, this one does allow you to change the background, and for some reason I've never been able to see stuff on a white background very well, so I always try and change the background color to make things stand out for me. There's also a place to change the fonts. As I get older, I find that this number becomes larger. Now, the one that's going to be most confusing for you all here at the beginning is the one labeled modems. What they call modems is the different modes, and you have settings for the different modes you might be running. At this time, the only one we're worried about is PSK31. And if you go down there and click on PSK31 under modems, uh, you're going to find a squelch setting. It works like any other squelch setting. The further up you go, the more squelch you get. The further down you go, the less squelch you got. You might even go take a look at all, but that's all, all that's going to be about is, uh, the TX offset on the frequency. If you have a, a radio that's, uh, a radio that's a little bit out of line, I had a Kenwood TS440 that was that way. And, uh, I solved the problem by using the red on the radio, but this appears to have a switch in it where you can change the offset of the transmit frequency so you can kind of get them lined up if you need to. One thing, like we said in the last episode, is you have to be careful about uh, keeping your frequency stable with PSK31 because it's a very narrow mode, very narrow. So the next one we're going to see is waterfall. And for those of you who have never run PSK31 before, whereas we had a uh, a bar on some of the old all-mode controllers to show us if we were on frequency, a lot of us listened by ear. Over the, over the years, we've listened by ear to line up a signal. Um, the waterfall gives you a visual indication of where the signals are. You're going to park on a frequency in PSK31, and then you're going to use the computer to move probably 3, 4 kilohertz either side to uh, get on top of the signal. That's one of the benefits of using a computer in this, and we didn't have this stuff years ago. 
But under the waterfall setting, you're going to find uh, the RF level, the amp span, and then you're going to find some settings over on the side. What mo- mode you want to run waterfall, zoom factor, speed of the waterfall. I'm not sure what the window setting is. By adjusting these, you can get things leveled out where uh, uh, you're able to see the signals you need to see for the most part, and then you can get lined up on them and start decoding them. So next we come to devices, and this is probably the one that y'all going to need to worry about the most because you want your sound coming out the right device. In most cases, if you're only running one sound card, the sound card's going to default to uh, dev DSP, okay, stroke dev, stroke DSP in the root directory, I think. That's your default audio device if you're running a sound server that accesses the digital signal processor device. That's probably a good default setting unless you know for sure that you're using something else um, and you know specifically what device file to specify. But if you're using ESD or ALSA or ARTS or any of the sound servers, then dev DSP will be exactly what you need. Well, there you go. And if y'all are like me, when you don't know what it is, you don't mess with it. Mine defaults to... uh, Stroke stroke dev, stroke DSP, and it's been working just fine. Under the push to talk, one of the things we need to understand, those those of y'all that are just now moving to Linux, is that you're not going to find something called a serial port. It's there, but it's probably going to be indicated as TTYS0. Once again, the default for that when you load up GMFSK is TTYS0, and you probably want to leave it there, not mess with it, once again, unless you know what you're doing. The only time you might want to change the TTY setting is if you happen to know for a fact that your computer has more than one serial port and you're not using the first one. Um, The serial ports start at zero for the first one and go up from there. So if you know you're using COM2, you'll want to use slash dev slash TTYS1. But otherwise, S0 should be should be the default and should be fine. Then we move on to rig control, and most of y'all aren't going to be concerned with that right now because uh, that's something we're going to have to cover in a future episode. Uh, you'll find that chances are when you load GMFSK, when you first put it on the machine, uh, it'll say radio model under settings, and it says ham live dummy. Just leave it alone. And then you're good to go. So we move further down, and then you've got a couple buttons on the bar, and it's you can di- you can disengage the sound card from the first button. Then there's uh, a couple little lightning bolts up there. The green ones uh, for listen, the red ones for transmit. You can stop transmission immediately with the uh, red circle with the X, and then there's one to key things up so you can tune. You can get to all of these with the a control character, and uh, I'll get to uh, help on this in a minute. And then you've got your standard in- information fields for your QSO. You know, once you start putting this stuff in, uh, if you've got call signs program, uh, got your macros programmed to pick up a call sign that you put in the uh, the call box, then you'll transmit that call sign when you get there. Uh, you have a receive and a transmit screen, and then you have the macros at the bottom. Now, let me tell you about the, these macros just a second. If you guys have been running PSK31 over on, on Windows, these work the same way. 
You right click on them, bring them up. You got, uh, information there to carry on your QSO, do whatever you need to do, key the transmitter, unkey the transmitter. Now over on the, on the, on the right hand side, just below that, you're going to find the frequency offset, which is where you are as opposed to, or down the waterfall. You find a, a checkbox for AFC, squelch, and reverse. Now, in the case of ready, you might want to run reverse because ready runs lower sideband below 20 meters. It's one of the uh, one of the modes that's been around long enough. It still follows the old conventions. Below that, you have a scope, and next to that, you have a uh, a signal strength dial. Then you have the waterfall. All, all of you that've been running PSK, y'all should know the waterfall, and this is going to work for you. Uh, just like it did in one of the, one of the Windows programs. You can change that for those of you who ran WinPSK. I know there was a, uh, a spectrum that you would look for your signals on. You can have that up instead. There's a way to change that and everything else. Like I said, this is not a complete tutorial on this. This is pretty much an overview. Before we go on to the next one, I want to cover the help files with you real quick. A lot of times in Linux, to save space when a program is downloaded, you don't get the documentation on the program unless you decide to download it also, decide to actively download it. Uh, there are other places to find it, information on, on the Linux operating system and programs in it out on the web, and we will cover that in a future program. Where GMFSK is concerned, you do get a small a GMFSK manual, which will take you through the basics of operating the program and getting yourself up on the air with GMFSK. And uh, I know there's a listener out there that uh, writes a PSK program, and it's not he has a bad program, it's just we don't have time to cover too many. And these are the ones that I've been using been really working well for me. It looks like we're getting close to another break here. Uh, do you have any comments on GMFSK? As far as uh, documentation is concerned, um, it looks like GMFSK, like you said, does come with a small help file attached. If your application doesn't, you might want to look in the repository for a package that contains the same name as the application you downloaded with a dash doc at the end. So there might be something like GMFSK dash doc. Now there isn't in this case because the documentation is included if you're looking for the documentation files or documentation that may not be accessible to an application via the help button, under Ubuntu and Debian and similar distributions, all of the documentation can be found in the directory slash user, that's slash USR, slash share, slash doc. And under slash user, slash share, slash doc, there will be a directory that has the same name as the package you installed, like GMFSK, and there will be one for GMFSK as well because packaging for Debian says that there must be documentation of at least a change log and a few other miscellaneous things for every package that hits the repository, and you can find information about your application in there. And in a lot of cases, there will be things like uh, tutorial files or example configuration files or contributed documentation, and lots of helpful things like that. So a good place to go for information. We're being reminded, and I, th I said there was a help file in there. It's a, it's a small manual, and it's got lots of, uh, lots of useful information. 
the currently one currently coming out of the repository for Ubuntu is GMFSK 0.7 PRE1. I tried to find a newer version and have not been able to locate it yet, but I'll let y'all know when I find it. And with that, we're up on another break, and we'll be back in just a minute. What must I do to get on the radio? I'll dance a jitterbug, but I ain't no gigolo. Won't draw my pants, but I can dance. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. What must I do to get on the radio? I'll dance a jitterbug, but I ain't no gigolo. Won't draw my pants, but I can dance. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. I don't care about the fame and glory. Just play my song on the radio. I don't need much, never worry. Don't have a Rolex or a Casio. Give me a chance, let the public decide. Play my video on prime time. I don't have a thing to hide. Just want my chance. Is it a crime? What must I do to get on the radio? I'll dance a jitterbug, but I know gigolo. Won't draw my pants, but I can dance. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. What must I do? Get on the radio, I'll dance a jitterbug, but I ain't no gigolo. Won't drop my pants, but I can dance. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. Three or four plays in a day, I'm not asking for the moon. Interview me, I got things to say. A brand new LP coming soon. If you're septic and you're critic, don't take my music in the first degree. If my music gives you static, it's my soul, don't you agree? What must I do to get on the radio? I'll dance a jitterbug, but I ain't no gigolo. Won't drop my pants, but I can dance. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. What must I do to get on the radio? I'll dance a jitterbug, but I ain't no gigolo. Won't drop my pants, but I can dance. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. Like a pit bull, I will never let go. Until the critics come to my show All publicity's good publicity Their opinion will never harm me I will always do my thing Play my harp and sing If you don't like it, don't buy it If you don't buy it, don't break it What must I do to get on the radio? I'll dance a jitterbug, but I know Don't break jiggle. it Won't draw my pants, but I can dance Please, Mr. Radio, give me don't a chance break it. What must I do? To get on the radio I'll dance a jitterbug But I don't drink it Won't drop my pants But I can dance If you don't buy it Don't break it What must I do To get on the radio I'll dance a jitterbug But I don't drink it Won't drop my pants But I can dance Please Mr. Radio Give me a chance What must I do Get on the radio, I'll dance a jitterbug, but I don't drink it. Won't drop my pants, but I can dance. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. If you don't buy it, don't break it. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. If you don't buy it, don't break it. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. If you don't buy it, don't break it. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. If you don't buy it, don't break it. Radio, give me a chance. What must I do to get on the radio? 
I dance a jitterbug, but I ain't no jiggalo. Watch all my pants, but I can dance. Please, Mr. Radio, give me a chance. getting better and better all right we talked about gmfsk we've talked about hardware considerations last week last but not least as especially not least i want to talk about fl digi for those of y'all that have a little bit of a di- little bit of experience with psk 31 and other digital modes i highly recommend fl digi because uh i've been playing with it for about a week or so over here my father's wanting to get into uh olivia so I've been using it over here to uh, learn about operating Olivia, which uh, I'm sure y'all see saw the uh, article in QST or heard about it uh, in the last month. So FL Digi, one thing I we have to remind everybody of is the fact that uh, the stuff that's in the repositories is normally not the newest, most current version of something where amateur radio is concerned. As far as security stuff and that kind of stuff, as soon as it hits, it comes through. There's upgrades, all this good stuff. But where the amateur radio stuff is concerned, sometimes it lags behind a little bit. The uh, version of FL Digi that's currently in the repositories is not going to be FL Digi 3.03, which is what is the most recent version, which I'm running here. But that's because I went to the website and uh, found the program downloaded it and installed it on my system now i have uh the installed version from the repository under uh debian lenny and the version that i have is 2.10.3 so that's uh that's several revisions old we are running different versions but all they really do once they have the uh, actual decoding part of the program working right is add features mine probably has a few more probably has a few more features than the one russ is running over there but that's okay because they all operate the same. And when you first open FL Digi, once again, it's probably going to ask you for your information. If it doesn't, you have to go in and put it in, but that's no big deal if you've done this kind of thing before. In the files menu, you're going to find uh, switches to open your macro files where you can work on them, save them, show your configuration, which opens a folder which uh, has a bunch of configuration files in it, switch to turn on and off log file and below that you'll find uh, switches for RF capture, TX generate and playback uh, because with FLDG it's my understanding that you can record QSOs as audio files and then play them back later and exit. In the op modes now FLDG will do a whole lot more than GMFSK. It's like it's like stepping up to a Pontiac after you've been driving a Chevy you know it's not a Cadillac not yet but it's getting there and it has uh, quite a bit more stuff. Well, first of all, it'll decode CW. It'll run one, two, three, four, five, six different flavors of Domino, seven flavors of Hellschreiber. Looks like uh, eight different modes of MF, MFSK, uh, MT63, three different variations, three different variations of Olivia with a custom switch so you can put in your own if you need to. 
BPSK and QPSK from 30, uh, 31 to 250, Ritty in 45, 50, and 75 baud with a custom switch, six different flavors of Thor, six different flavors of Throb, and then there's a place down there where it throws together some of the more common NBEMS modes, if y'all are familiar with NBEMS. There's also a place for you to click on WWV to help you line up your sound card if you need to. There's one at the bottom for frequency analysis, which I haven't quite figured out what that is yet. When you move over to configuration, under defaults, it's pretty much the same stuff again. You have a place to change the colors and the fonts, put in your operator information, the waterfall, uh, video. What you can do with, one of the things you can do with FL Digi that you can't do with GMFSK is you can put in a short, very short message. And when you key up and begin to transmit, that message will be printed on the waterfall. It is sent out where when they're looking at the waterfall, they can see that message. Uh, the default is CQ and it's kind of hard to visualize it. But if you're, if you're, uh, sitting there watching PSK at some point and you see somebody start to transmit a signal, and it has their call sign or it says CQ and then it starts sending information that prints on the, on the screen. Uh, they probably have that option turned on and there's some, uh, some Windows programs that can do that also. Rig control. We haven't gotten to rig control yet. There is a place that you can, uh, if you have an account, if you are a, a subscribed member of QRZ or ham call, you can put in your information and pull down call signs. There's settings for the sound card. Once again, chances are the defaults are going to work for you. And then a place to save the configuration. Lastly, you're going to find a find view up at the top of this menu bar. And it'll say Digiscope, MFSK, Image, PSK Browser, and Rig Control. And they won't be on all the time. But for those of you that have run uh, DigiPan, the newer version, which has one side of the screen where you can see what's pr coming through on all the conversations across your waterfall. That's what uh, PSK Browser does for you. It opens a separate window that will show you all the conversations that are going on and the frequency they're on. You know, if you see somebody hollering CQ, you can click on them real quick. It also has a place where you up at the top where you can type in some text, and if that text gets printed it will show it as a different color. Okay, back under the view, you've got Digiscope, which is basically the little scope that you have in most all of these programs, the little round scope with the needle that jumps back and forth to show you if you've got the signal in phase and all that good stuff. The other two aren't lit in this mode until you end up in a mode where those particular things are useful. It's like if you have the rig control set up, the rig control should light up. So let's go to the documentation just a moment. Uh, when you cl click help and you click beginner's guide, there is an HTML file that comes with the program that uh, will open up in your browser and you'll be able to read down through it. It's very similar to the manual in GMFSK. It will give you information on installing the program, updating the program, taking it out, out if you're finished with it, walk through the settings, give you a guided tour of the program itself, all this, all the information that you need to uh, get yourself going as quickly as possible.
For those of you who might be using 2.10.3, that option is not available. The help file actually points you to the FLDigi website. There you can find a, t- a tutorial and the information that probably gets included in the uh, distribution for 303. But uh, it, it is a link to the website, so if you want the documentation for 2.10.3, you'll have to be online to get it. Something we probably should have mentioned early on when we started talking about these applications is the package name for each of these applications. Now, it just so happens that for FLDigi and for GMFSK, the package name is what they are, GMFSK and FLDigi, but that's not always the case, and we'll try and uh, make sure to reference that in the future whenever we talk about a specific package that comes out of a repository. We've gone, th- we've gone through the... Uh... Menu bar up at the top. A couple other things that are right up there is RSID, which is, uh, I believe, will send that video ID for you. And then there's a tune button also to help you tune up for your signal. Right below that, you've got log information, just like anywhere else. And once you have your macros program, uh, a lot of this information can be inserted into your conversation via macros. And for those of y'all who have never used a PSK program before, Macros are pretty easy. They work just like any macro anywhere else. They just, uh, once you figure out, and once you know what the language is to program the macro, uh, you can go ahead and insert it just about anywhere. Now, you have the rate, receive and transmit screens. One of the, I figure is a good feature of FL Digi is over on the sides of the screens, there's a couple of sliders. And it took me a little while to figure out what they were. But they're volume controls. You can, Raise the incoming volume, or the, uh, yeah, the incoming volume, you can raise and lower it by moving the slider up and down that's next to the receive screen and do the same thing with the slider that's next to the transmit screen. Like I said, this is something that took me a while to figure out simply because I've been using computers a long time and I am a man and an advanced class amateur radio operator. There is nothing I cannot do. Therefore, I do not need the instructions. This takes us to the macros. Now, whereas GMFSK didn't have but a handful uh, in FL Digi, at least the version I'm running, there are 12 macros times four. That would be 48 macros. This was a problem for me when I was back running Windows for my amateur radio stuff because I was running DigiPan. There was only about 24, and you can use up a lot of macros really fast depending on what you want to do with them because not only can you program them to send text, you can program them to uh, log certain information, to turn the transmitter on, to turn the transmitter off, to send different text and send files and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff you can do with these macros. Something else that's benefit FL Digi, at least in uh, version 3.03, is that you can have the buttons in color, which makes it a lot easier to find them and hit them. Now, when you're sitting looking at the program, you'll find you don't have a lot below that. You have the waterfall. You have a squelch setting over on the right-hand side. Transmit button, reverse button, lock button, store button, a couple of other things that you'll be able to explore the documentation and uh, and figure out what all these buttons are. You also have a, a little gauge at the bottom to help you make sure that you're centered on the signal. 
take a little time to use it to get used to this stuff. Like I said before, to get a scope a scope up, you're going to have to go up to the view and click to turn the scope on. Uh, a lot of times it stays on by default. I've been uh, messing around and it won't stay up for me, but that's me sticking my fingers into stuff. Advanced class or amateur radio operator, y'all. But anyway, you can get that up and set it down in the corner of the screen so you can see what's going on with the signal when it's coming in. And also, the PSK browser. I was talking about that when we were talking about the menu bar up front. And this can come in really handy because I've been working DX for years and never had a Cuban station. Hadn't been too long ago, I had the PSK browser up. I seen the CO up in the corner of the screen and jumped over on that bad boy and got him all these years. And I've ta- I've got cards from Luxembourg, uh, Italy, Russia, both ends, but I never had one from Cuba. Now I got one. That's kind of an overview of FL Digi. And like I said, I'm running version 3.03, which I went and got off of the website. Pretty easy to install and upgrade if you decide to do that. But for you newer guys, run the one out of the repository for a little while and get familiar with it. From the repository, version 2.10.3 doesn't have some of the features you were talking about, like the volume sliders and a couple of other things. But it looks like most of the features are there, including the 48 color-coded macro buttons and uh, a lot of the other useful features of the program. So they haven't added too much. They've probably fixed a few bugs and added a few features that make it a little easier to use. But the one that you get out of the repository should work just fine for you. And if you want to be a little more adventurous or if you like using the latest bit of software, then certainly go and download and install the 3.03 from the website instead. But either way, you should have a uh, really good experience using either GMFSK or FLDG to uh, get up and running with your PSK31 or any of the other digital modes that they happen to support. And that's it. That, that, exactly why we want to go through these two programs, because FLDG, for you more experienced guys, y'all are really going to appreciate FLDG. It's going to show you more of the usefulness of uh, Linux in your ham radio shack. For the guys just getting into PSK31, some of the other digital modes, GMFSK is the one for you because it's not overly complicated. You know, over the years, uh, radios have gotten more and more features and there have been more and more stuff added to them, memory and all this other stuff. You know, I started out on a two-meter rig that only had ten channels, and two of those were A-B channels. You uh, uh, programmed uh, one side of the VFO and the other side of the, VF, the uh, VFO A to one frequency and VFO B to another frequency and uh, lit rip on them bad boys. I had a high-low button and high power on it was 10 watts. And I still like the simpler the better. You know, all this overcomplicated stuff really gets on my nerves. However, I do like FL Digi. And in the coming weeks, we're going to, uh, going to expand upon the groundwork that we've uh, set up with these digital episodes so that we can uh, enjoy more and more of these sound card interfaces and everything else. So with that, I think we pretty much covered everything we can cover as far as PSK31, unless uh, you've got some final thoughts on that, Russ. No, I'm looking forward to trying some of this stuff out myself. Digital modes are one thing I haven't been able to get into yet. I might even go back and review our podcast here just so I uh, know what I'm doing when I get to it. 
Well, that's so we can teach you how to get on the air with us. <laughs> we want you to run those digital modes. Now, you and I aren't are too close together. We're probably never likely to talk to each other on digital, but, heck, we've got Skype. Okay. <laughs> so next time around, we're going to talk and we're going to do an install episode. Uh, y'all throw us some input because uh, we're probably leaning towards Ubuntu at this point. Now, we're gathering listeners all the time. We see that you guys are downloading, even though you're not sending Russ email and filling up his box. I'm getting a few emails. A few more would be nice. If people want to suggest something specific about the install episode, that would be great as well. And I guess uh, Lucky Number 7 is a good episode to do an install. But we can probably do Ubuntu and Debian side by side. You can do one and I can do the other, and we can compare and contrast while we're doing the install and that way, people who want to try either one should be able to follow along, and I don't think that'll get too confusing. Uh, I I might be wrong about that, but I guess we'll find out. And that'll probably work because I got a five hundred megahertz a five hundred megahertz uh, Pentium over here that's fixing to turn into the digital machine for the shack here, and we can just do that next time around because it's going to run Ubuntu and FLDG three point zero three. That pretty much covers it for this time, y'all. Y'all make sure y'all. Send me some email so I don't get lonely at kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com. That's kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com. And don't forget to visit the forums over at blacksparrowmedia.com. Uh, there are forums over there for Linux in the Ham Shack, and uh, we're looking for folks to come on over there and fill them on up. Or you can leave feedback over at the Linux in the Ham Shack website blacksparrowmedia.com stroke LHS or follow me on Twitter. I, I'm going to try and get to chirping more often. That's uh, twitter.com stroke KB5JBV. If you want to send me an email, you can send it to K5TUX at blacksparrowmedia.com. That will find me and I will be happy to respond. And if you just have a question about Linux in general, I'm always willing to respond to those as well. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash jrwoodman. And I would like to add that as far as show updates and things like that that concern Linux and the Hamshack specifically, there is a new Twitter feed. And you can find that at twitter.com slash hamshacklinux. And I'm going to move the updates and the things about the live feed and any updates that happen to do with the show over to there so that they don't necessarily interfere with my own Twitter use because I have a feeling that, that some people are probably getting annoyed by all the Linux and the Hamshack stuff. So uh, definitely if you want to uh, follow me and follow the new feed, please do that. But if you're interested in show information, definitely follow uh, Hamshack Linux. Make sure you go to the website, blacksparrowmedia.com slash LHS to leave comments. And I recently put up a calendar where we will keep information about when the live feed will be live. And you should be able to get any information you need about listening to us on the live feed there as well. And hopefully it'll be there a day or two beforehand at least. And we won't spend too much time messing around with the audio in future episodes. But I think that's it, so back to you. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's all it's all experimental. It's all amateur radio. So if we were able to get things going too easily, then we would be doing something wrong. And with that, 
We'll see y'all next time.